Good morning, Linwood Church. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm honored to be here with you. And for those on online, a special good morning to you as well. Uh, no, I am not the lead pastor here at Linwood. <laughs> Pastor Mark, he is gone this week, so if there was that curiosity bubble of who the balding bearded guy that came stumbling onto stage, it's me, it's Zach. <laughs> I, you may hear this, if you're a regular here, you may hear this language a lot from me when I come up and we start doing the introductions and the connection cards and all that. You may hear a phrase of, hi, my name is Zach, and I'm one of the pastors, or hi, my name is Zach, I'm, one of the, I'm the next-gen pastor here. But I don't really have an opportunity to actually unpack that a little bit. Uh, I, I am honored and privileged to be here at Linwood, to be working alongside of you. Yes, I'm responsible for our Wednesday night services for our student ministry, the experience that they have, grades 6 through 12. Uh, It's an incredible thing that takes place down there. I have some amazing, keyword, amazing leaders. And if I ever have the opportunity just to share with you just a small seed of what's taking place, God is moving in huge and spectacular ways there. One of our, our core values is leaving a legacy of faith. And we do that by making disciples who make disciples. And so I have the awesome charge and responsibility of empowering our student leaders to take ownership, our adult leaders to be empowered to make decisions for their, their shepherd, their sheep. And, and, and moves even beyond that, as the next-gen pastor, we're responsible for the next generation. And that includes the rising individuals who are called into ministry. Here's a little bit of part of my job I don't get to speak on a lot because it's still, we're developing long and hard about that. We're about ready to launch our residency program here, where we're bringing in individuals who are training to be in a pastoral role. And the exciting thing about that is Linwood is a healthy church to see that thriving fruit take place. Amen? Amen. Thank you. That's what I, this is going to be a long sermon if we aren't responding, people. (laughs) Look, I I believe this. I believe this to the depths of my heart that God is moving big. I want to tell you a little bit of a confession that uh, I I need to get off my chest. The confession is the best place I get all that development, all the things that we do Wednesday night to prepping this message, to prepping whatever we do, the best place I get my work done is at a coffee shop. And I don't even like coffee. I think coffee's gross. For those uh, that have claimed or called Linwood their home for some time, you may remember this message. Pastor Mark's very first message, she actually talked about the different colors, different types of coffee that you may like. And I forget what she is on the spectrum. It doesn't matter. It's all gross. It was all gross. And I'm just like, could there be an option for just water or the sparkling water? Where was the Coca-Cola or Pepsi option? None of those options were offered on there. And my wife, she has a Keurig machine, and I'm just looking at that every day. I'm like, that's a waste of money. But happy wife, happy life, right? Amen? <laughs> One time when I was working in the coffee shop, uh, I usually, I can spend days, not days, hours. Days would be impossible. Uh, hours and hours of just working on stuff. And so it's, there's background noises, there's people, but not a lot of people interrupt me. There was a couple that came up to my table and just said, hey, 
are you one of those pastors that work at Linwood? And I kind of like instantly perked up like, oh, you know of us. You've maybe experienced the Linwood experience. They, they weren't a regular. I got so excited. And just as I'm about ready to speak up and ask questions about them, their significant other responded with, yeah, that's the family of families guy. So I guess I say that a lot. But I say it because I believe it. Our vision here at our church is to be and increasingly become a healthy family of families. Isn't it amazing? Just take a moment, think about this. Isn't it amazing that our simple mission and vision of our church bleeds out beyond our Sunday morning experience? Isn't it amazing that we can start pouring love into the community, that people know what we are about. One of our other core values that we hold dear, we hold three core values that hold dear to our hearts. The other core value is that we are centering our lives on the Word. We value that. We hunger for that. And in this series of Say What, Pastor Mark has led us through a conversation through the book of Luke which has led us into the book of Acts. And we, as the church congregation, we've taken up and doing these things called banding together. These are scripture journals. If you've heard that language before but have no idea what it is, let me simplify. This is a, a daily book reading reflection journal that you can get right at the front over here or if you're online, comment, and we will help you get you one of these. But this is how our congregation, our family of families, is engaging in the Word and taking it beyond our Sunday services. The Word is not only just spoken here. It's spoken every day, and we get to talk about it. In fact, where we're going today is something that we've already read as a congregation, I believe on Wednesday we read but it's, it's, uh, that's why I'm so excited for banding together. If you're like, I am just hungry for just the real meat of Scripture. Let me just kick the door open. Join a banding together group. Write that on your connection card if you're interested in that. But before I press any further, as we dive into the book of Acts chapter 9, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us. Holy Spirit, thank you for the conversations that we have. May these be your words and not mine. In your name, amen. We're diving into the story of Saul in Acts chapter 9. I'm somebody that likes it when you actually open the physical Bible and follow along with me. If you're online as well, yes, I'm asking you to go grab a Bible or look it up on your phone or whatever it takes. Grab something so you can follow along with me. As you're looking for Acts chapter 9 in the New Testament, I want to give you some background. We are looking at the story of Paul, who once was the origin story of Saul, Paul was, is known as the guy, the author, as uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, many church letters that can be found in the New Testament. He preached for Christ throughout the Roman Empire. He took on some very difficult conversations about faith, and he did it head on. And he was known as the apostle of the Gentiles. But before we get to who Paul is... We have to look at who he was. Same guy, Saul, Paul, same guy, but realistically, two very different worlds here. 
Saul, trained by the Pharisees, he was a Jew. He knew the Christian movement was dangerous to the Jews. His goal was to persecute the Christians. In fact, two chapters before, we're going to read in Acts 9, that in Acts 7, we saw the stoning of Stephen. His personal mission was to destroy and persecute Christianity. This guy was not to be messed with. So we're going to have a say what moment. If we're going to dive deep into the scriptures, my say what moment is how does the miracle and message of Jesus transform not only the life of Saul to Paul, but transforms ourselves. If you need the spoiler notes where we're going in this, here it is. Pay attention. Spoiler note. Three things we're focusing on. The undeniable power of Christ, the undeniable submission, and the undeniable transformation. There are two, two groups of people I'm addressing this message to. There's group number one, that is, hey, I claim Jesus as Lord. May this message speak to you, affirm you, and or convict you. And for those who are wrestling with the truth of Jesus, first, number one, thank you for being here. I'm super glad you're here. We're a family of families, and I'm, I'm glad that we can embrace you as one of ours. But may this be an opportunity to finally maybe understand the truth of Jesus. I say this in our student ministry. I'd much rather you wrestle with God than be away from God. Because when you're wrestling with God, you are with God. I think the church should be a place where people ask questions. Because I believe when you seek truth, you will find truth. And that's where the truth that Saul comes today. Acts 9, you with me? You had enough time. Here we go. Acts 9, verse 1. Follow along with me. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciple. Wow, that sounds exciting. He went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Pause. Clearly, Saul is on a mission here. This is not just a simple like, oh, okay, well, things could happen. No, no, no. He's on a mission to persecute and destroy Christianity. In fact, the New Living Translation expands on this word of prisoners and talks about prisoners in chains and making them walk back. And it's, it's a gruesome thing that will take place before their untimely death. He's got a goal. He's not to be messed with. He's got a fiery passion. Let's read on. Verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do next. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Pause right there. Are we catching this? It's super easy to be able to do one of these things where it's like, okay, that's a cool story. Thanks for sharing. Let's move on to the rest of our day. No! 
We believe the scriptures here at Linwood is 100% truth. And if we believe that the scriptures are 100% truth, then we believe that these events actually physically happened. That a flash of lightning took place. And that Saul became blind and he didn't eat. He didn't drink anything for three days. What a traumatic experience. And we know that not only the scriptures transcribe this, there are outside accounts that affirm the story because remember, Saul was uh, accompanied by several men who witnessed this. They couldn't explain it because there was an undeniable power. So, when I reflect in my own life, in my own spiritual journey, why don't I see these in real life? Is that too bold? I, as a pastor, I know that God can work in these ways, but I start playing the comparison game that Saul had this powerful, loud experience, and my experiences seem a whole lot quieter. By us understanding holiness, it helps us understand the undeniable power of Christ. That's where we're first focusing on. We need to recognize what the undeniable power of Christ is. See, Saul's story is proof of the undeniable power of Christ. But, fortunately for us, it's not the only proof. I I was thinking about geeking out. Uh, and I have it in my notes. I thought about geeking out and going down the theology road over the road of holiness, how we get from previent grace, the free gift that was never, uh, we don't deserve, but God's given us, moving all the way through glorification, go through John Wesley's salvation of holiness ladder and talking about all these things and maybe talk about the different ways of the, the shorter way, the middle way, and the longer way. But I think it all leads down to this, that God will use different roads that lead us to the same destination at the foot of the cross. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. And sometimes I believe God breaks into our lives in spectacular manners. And sometimes I think our experiences can be very quiet. I, I have to beware of people in our surroundings that say that God can only work in a particular way because we serve in an impossible God. God does not conform into the shoebox. Are you following track with me? The God does not conform to the shoebox here. The right way to come to faith in Jesus is whatever way God brings you. That's the undeniable power of God. And if I have to ask a question with that power, I got to ask this. Why does God choose Saul? So despicable Saul, with no redeeming qualities, to spearhead the transformation of the church. I think I know. God's unconditional love. You are never too far gone for the undeniable power of Christ. You're not too far gone from the undeniable love of God. Let's continue on. Ananias begins to enter the picture in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 10. Are you with me? Fantastic. Everybody still alive? Four of you are. Everybody else, good morning. 
In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. Lord call, the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Okay, I got to pause right here. I realize I'm going to fall into the stereotypical millennial, but praise God for Google Maps. Because if God came to a vision with me and said, Hey, Zach, I need you to go down this road, take a left, follow the bypass, and then you will find this individual. And I'm like, whoa, pause, Lord. Could you just DM me that direction? I'll just pop it into Google Maps. It's a joke, okay? Let me continue on. In a vision... He has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore sight. This is where the hesitation began. Catch what happens. Verse 13. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your servants in Jerusalem. And he has come here with with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Here's our say what moment. You say what? Are you kidding me? You're asking me to go to the guy that is actively killing us. Lord, did you catch the headline news? Our brother Stephen is dead, stoned. And you're calling me to go to him? Not possible. But God responds, verse 15. The Lord said to Ananias, go. Not go. Go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. And it's not transcribed in the scriptures, so there's a little bit of my internal interpretation. But I'm very curious to know how Ananias was feeling, thinking, during his walk to Damascus. There had to be an internal conversation of, he's leading me to my death. There's no way this guy's a Christian now, Lord. No way. And you're leading me to my death. (laughs) Very understandably. I understand why he's feeling this way. And yet, despite the fear, the uncertainty, the anxiety, he submitted Submission is an example of the undeniable presence of God. This leads to our second point, the undeniable submission of Ananias. Submission is not just a physical act. It is a spiritual posture. When we deny total submission to God, we mentally limit what God can do, not only for us, but through us. We must obey and follow God's leading even when he leads us to difficult people and places. There is a responsibility we hold to submit to God. That responsibility extends out to many different avenues that we experience life. For example, in our homes. Maybe some of you are hearing this message and not everybody in your family is a Christian. We have an opportunity to submit to God and to be praying for them. Or maybe you've got family members, extended relatives who have denied the existence of Christ, who've walked away from that. We have a responsibility to submit to God and say, use me how I can be used. Let's talk about work for a second. In work, 
we, we have a posture to be able to present the gospel through our behavior. We have the opportunities to love on our co-workers. Even when our co-workers roll their eyes at the whiff of anything Christianity, and they're like, there's that Jesus freak again. Or maybe your job cannot actually physically say the words of Jesus, but your actions could be exemplified. And I'm going to hit some... Uh, I'm going to hit a tough button here, so let's strap in for this one. Don't forget, Pastor Bark's coming back next week. We also have a responsibility to submit to God in our online presence. In our online presence, we have the responsibility to submit and to show the unconditional love of Jesus. For what would happen if we post not what we're against, but maybe what we're for? Because every comment, every repost that we do reflects on who we demonstrate God's love, unconditional love for all of his people. Are we willing to submit even when it costs us everything? Everything. Verse 16 actually alludes to this idea that Saul, who will turn into Paul, will lose a lot. He will suffer greatly. He actually transcribes it in 1 Corinthians 11. You don't need to turn there. Keep your Bible open to Acts 9. But I'm going to read to you 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 27. He comes up with a list. Here's a brief list. Here it is. He's been put in prison. He's been whipped times without number. Faced death again and again. Beaten with rods. He was once stoned. That's kind of ironic. Shipwrecked three times, spent a night adrift at sea, awful, uh, traveled many long journeys, faced dangers from rivers and robbers, faced dangers in the cities, the deserts and seas, gone days without food, water, and clothes to keep him warm, and yet, and yet, and yet, even when full submission caused suffering, he never forgot the undeniable power of Christ. This leads us to our final point. Because he submitted and he was reminded of the power, there was an undeniable transformation that took place in his life. Let's continue reading on. I'm going to start uh, in verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after he got up and was baptized, after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach at the synagogues. At once he began to preach. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And isn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet... Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Clearly, 
clearly Saul is not the same person that he was moments ago. There was an undeniable power that Saul experienced. There's an undeniable experience of submission he went through when he was blind. And now, there's an undeniable transformation in Saul's posture and his speech and his outlook. He instantly confessed sin. He instantly accepted Jesus and he instantly was baptized. The very thing he was against is the very thing he fights for for the rest of his life. He recognized his past sins that we've all, all, you and me, fallen short of the glory of God. He accepted the very person he's pursuing as the bread of life. And then he got baptized. And a little side rabbit trail, I, I'm encouraged to read stories like Saul because baptism is not for perfect people. Baptism is not for perfect people. Because if that was the case, Jesus would be the only candidate. Baptism is for the imperfect people. People like you and me. And that's why I'm so passionate about baptism. There's conversations I have where it's like, well, I'm just waiting till I fix up my entire life before I begin to go into the waters. And I argue differently. And I say, when you proclaim in the name of Jesus and saying, I understand the undeniable power of God, I'm willing to submit and I'm willing to find a transformation in my life, we use a simple word and we call it made new. Maybe throughout this couple of times you have felt this urge, this feeling of like, maybe I need to get baptized. And you just haven't acted on it. You know what I'm talking about? It's that like, uh, maybe in a little bit, but not now. You just have not acted on that. Here I am going to kick you off the cliff, okay? Baptism is happening. We're having a class. We're going to give you all the information on February 14th. But if you're someone that says, I'm willing to submit, and I want to be made new, baptism is for you because that's the undeniable transformation of God. Are you still with me? fantastic. The thing about Saul, though, not only did he lean or learn from the disciples, he quickly jumps into ministry. He quickly jumps into teaching. He jumps into the trenches of ministry as if a transformed life propels the individual into action. It, it, it says there, let me read this out loud. This is a bold note for you right here. It says this, God has called his people to not be spectators of the gospel, but commissions them to be deliverers of the good news. I'm not sure if you caught that. I need to reread that again. God has called his people not to be spectators of the gospel, but commissions them to be deliverers of the good news. If we fast forward Saul's story real quick, Saul's commissioned by doing a missionary jury in Rome. Saul sheds his identity of Saul and becomes Paul. And he begins using his God-given skills to advance the kingdom. Paul was transformed. Clear transformation comes with clear life change. We cannot claim to be transformed without a transformed posture. We cannot claim to be followers of Jesus without a shift of life change. Transformation will always lead to submission. 
See, transformation is not just a simple checklist. We cannot simply say we are Christ followers if all we do is we show up on Sunday morning, get that checklist, we've checked in online, we've got our Jesus for the week, good, that should propel us all the way. No, this should compel us to action. Transformation begins with life change. There's a saying out there, maybe you've recognized it, of the, the Roman road of salvation. In Romans 3.23, it explains that for we are all sinners. Further on in Romans, it describes that we don't deserve but have received hope and eternal life as described in Romans 6.23. God has demonstrated his unconditional love for us as penned in Romans 5.8 that we put our trust and surrender in Jesus as explained in Romans 10, verses 9 through 10, and that our assurance and salvation through Jesus and Christ alone, in Romans 10, 13. So where do we go with this? How do we land the plane? At the beginning of our message, I talked about two different types of audience members. But yet, hearing the sermon, both lead to the same destination, being transformed with a relationship with Christ. The old is gone, The new is here. That should compel us. That Jesus died on the cross for your sins and my sins. Paul was no longer the same after that experience. So why do we assume we're the exception? That one's awkward to sit on. Paul made a radical transformation change within himself. So here's what I'm going to do. We talked about three different things. The undeniable power, the undeniable submission, and the undeniable transformation. Maybe you're sitting here today, maybe you were online and you're watching this, and you sense one of those three that has called out your name. I need that. I'm going to offer three different types of prayers. If you need that today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. You can do it internally. Create your chair into the altar. Create your couch into an altar. For my online people, I'm asking you to be bold. I'm asking you to actually type in the comment section. This is a bold act here. This starts when we vocalize it, we make change. I want you to actually type in which of the three prayers you're asking for prayer over. Because we're going to pray over that. If you're looking for the undeniable power of Christ, will you pray this prayer with me? Lord, I'm coming to you needing your undeniable power to preside before me. I'm a sinner who doesn't deserve your grace. I surrender. I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my problems to you. I surrender my sin to you. I give you access to my heart. Create in me a new heart and lead me to the way of everlasting. Amen. And if you're sitting here today saying, I just need to submit to God's will. I don't know what he has in store for me, and I'm scared. I need the undeniable submission. Pray this prayer with me. Lord, I'm coming to you needing your undeniable submission to preside before me. Even when it's uncomfortable, Lord, may I find the strength of the Holy Spirit to preside in me as I serve you. Even through inconveniences and suffering, give me strength and courage to submit to your will. May my posture at home, at work, 
and online reflect your unconditional love for your people. Amen. And you're sitting here today and you're saying, Zach, I need an undeniable transformation. I am yours and you are mine. Pray this prayer with me. Lord, I'm coming to you needing your undeniable transformation to preside before me. At the foot of your cross, I recognize your power. When you died on the cross, you died for my sins. Lord, renew that calling to live in your ways. Renew my spirit to walk in your ways. Give me clear opportunities to be used to pursue and build your kingdom. Equip me as you've empowered me to live your great commission every day I may live. Awaken my heart, O Lord. Amen. If you prayed in those prayers, we have to vocalize our next steps. Whether that's writing on a connection card, you're sharing it in the lobby, but we have to do something. If you ask me, that was a really great sermon, great, I'm going to ask you, how did God transform you today? How is God nudging you today? Because we should be compelled to move. That's what love does. And if you're sitting here willing to give it all, just know this, that Paul surrendered everything, everything. And when he surrendered everything, God used his background, his history, his former sins for the kingdom of God. What happens when we find the power of God? We submit to his authority and we discover a transformation. Let's worship together.